0: You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. Well, I, I do have a, a a little story for you, and, and this goes along with our, our sermon theme for this month, Who Done It. This is a story about four people. And the names of these people were everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. Now, this is not a new story. Some of you have probably heard this before, read this before. But I think there's an illustration. There's a a point that it brings across. There was an important job to be done. And everyone or everybody, everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about this because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody, but nobody did what anybody could have done. Did you get that? Okay. Yeah. And, you know, so often we think okay, uh, who's responsible? And part of it is we need to, first of all, take responsibility. And even with, when we're looking at what God has called us to do as individuals and what he's called us to do as a corporate body, there's a responsibility that we have as far as what our part is, what our role is. And so when we look at who done it, we're, we're really looking at the bigger picture of what God has done and who's responsible for it all. But yet he gives us a partnership in what he's doing in the earth. And that's such a privilege and a blessing. And I do have, since Leo Lagan is here, I do have a Leo Lagan joke uh, this morning. He likes those little short one-liners. Uh, the problem I have with atoms is that they just make up everything. Now <laughs> That's a Leo Lagan joke, right? Okay. Yeah, I wasn't going to share that this morning, but I thought I'd throw it out there yeah, because that... Not everybody likes that kind of humor, but Leah Logan does. Again. So God, and again, I, as we are moving in this transition, this season of change, as refuge, we know that God has given us a new name for a new season. I truly and sincerely believe that God has appointed refuge to be a place for people to come and encounter Jesus. To come and encounter Jesus Christ. And as a church... It's a new identity, but yet we're the same church with the same body, but with a more clear mission to reach people than ever before. And so I'm excited about that. I'm, I'm thrilled to be a part of that. I'm privileged to be a part of that. You know, it's, it's, it's not often that a pastor has the privilege of serving in the same church for 31 years and going. And I'm not sure how much longer my season is, but I know that I'm going to faithfully serve what God has called me to do here, but we need to be intentional on in what we're doing as we release it to the next generation, as we raise up this next generation to continue to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to this community and beyond. So I'm excited about that. Proverbs, actually not Proverbs, but uh, yeah, it is Proverbs. 1426, we, we see a scripture verse here about refuge. It says, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. That, that means it's not that you're afraid of God. In the fear of the Lord, that simply is in reference to a reverence for God. We have a reverence in honoring him. So in the fear of the Lord, is, there is strong confidence. And his children will have a place of refuge. God wants us to have a place where we can connect, a place where we can grow, a place where we can heal, a place where we can find our purpose and identity in Christ. And so we're excited about that. And I believe that as we look at what refuge is, as it's defined, it's defined as a protection or shelter, as from danger or hardship. It's a place of safety or protection from the storm because storms of life come. But storms of life go, but yet we have a place of safety. I want to uh, have a moment of prayer here as we go before the Lord, as we prepare to share this message with you this morning. But as we pray, I I want to lift up John. It's Laurie Martineau's father who was taken to the hospital this morning. And we want to lift him up. uh, The good news in John's life is recently he prayed to receive Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. And Lori and Rick were believing and praying and sharing the gospel with him for many years. But recently, he made that decision to follow Jesus, and we're so blessed by that. But we want to lift him up. And also, we want to pray for the Castle family this morning. Um, Francis' father passed away this past week. And uh, the funeral is actually scheduled tomorrow. It's in South Dakota. But we just want to uh, lift Francis and his family up before the Lord and lift them up. And, and also, uh, I want to uh, pray for uh, Cameron this morning. We've been praying for him. Uh, Taylor brought him this morning. And we have a miracle testimony of, of how God intervened in his life after experiencing some seizures and uh, being taken to the hospital and them looking him over and all that, uh, he's doing fine. He's doing fine. And so we're, we're excited about what God has done in your son's life, Taylor. So let's, let's just join our faith together as we pray for these needs. Father, we're honored to be able to come before your presence and make our requests known. We thank you, first of all, for, for this congregation, this body of believers. Father, that you'd open their hearts to receive the ministry of your word. That it would, Father, take root and bear fruit in their lives. Oh, God, that you would cause revelation and understanding, Father, to flow. Father, that you would cause your purpose to be established among us. In Jesus' name. And, Father, we we lift up John, Lloyd's father, this morning. We pray that you strengthen him. Father, that you give the doctors wisdom as, as they care for him. We pray, Father, that you would... Minister to his physical well-being in the name of Jesus. Father, we lift up Francis and Missy and and their family this morning. Father, we pray for his mother and other siblings, Father, that you would comfort and strengthen their hearts. We thank you, Father, that Francis' father is with you because he established that relationship with you while he was living. And Father, we just thank you for your strength and comfort during this time in their life. In Jesus' name, we also thank you, Father, for Cameron and Father, for, for the continual work of, of your healing in his body in full recovery, Father, from these seizures and, and from this physical attack. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I have some recommended reading, and if you notice in your bulletin, you'll find uh, that we're featuring, which is actually a classic called Christ the Healer which uh, this has been written a while ago. It's been reprinted, and, but it has information, revelation that would really help you to understand God's will concerning what the Bible teaches about healing in the light of redemption. And actually, it even addresses Paul's thorn because that often is a question, but it gives a real biblical argument to really bring forth truth about Paul's thorn, because that's a question. Paul had this thorn, and, and that's the way it was. He had to deal with it. So. Uh, but another book uh, we're featuring this month is by Bruce Vanetta. He'll be speaking at the end of the month. It's A Miraculous Life. Uh, this is just a, a number of testimonies of what he experienced in his personal life and, and what he's seen God do in the lives of others. And so uh, we encourage you to get a hold of these resources. And another one, it's not on a monthly thing, it's when, it, when Heaven Invades Earth. This is by actually, um, it's a practical guide to a life of miracles by Bill Johnson. And this is a great resource. And what I'm going to do, uh, we, we already have some gifts for our first-time visitors when you return your Connect card at the Welcome Center. And we have a gift for you, but the first Three guests that go back there, you can take your pick of of one of these. And so we'll make sure these are back at the Welcome Center and as a gift to you. All right. Are you ready for the big five? Now, the big five, you might say, what's the big five? Okay, what's that all about? Is it a high five? No, it's not a high five. The big five is actually in references to five big miracles that we see in the Bible. And why you and I should know about them. And and so as I was doing some research on this. As I was looking. It was really hard to decide. Because there's so many awesome miracles that are recorded in the scriptures. And so I thought how can I just reduce this list to five. But I found five that have particular reference. That what you and I need to know about a miraculous God that we serve. Now. One of the things when we think about certain miracles the that come to mind is, you know, Jesus walking in the water, feeding the multitude, uh, healing the sick, casting out devils. We see those in the New Testament. We see in the Old Testament, Elijah calling fire down from heaven. We see Moses splitting the Red Sea. We see the plagues of Egypt. We see all these miracles, uh, axe head floating, and that's an interesting one because iron doesn't float. But all of these are miracles because they, they break natural laws. And so it, it's interesting when we consider a miracle and what really is qualified to be a miracle. And, and people have difference in opinion concerning what is a bona fide miracle, what even qualifies to be a miracle. We may have varied opinion on that. But what we're going to do, we're going to look at it from a biblical framework. And see miracles from the Bible, and I'm going to help to define this as well, because the Bible is a book of miracles. We see miracles from Genesis to Revelation. We see the supernatural power of God on display from creation. We see it throughout scriptures and right through the early church. We see God using his people to perform miracles, and so the good news I have for you today, God can use you to perform miracles. You might say, no, I, I don't know about that. Well, you need to find out then, okay? So Merriam-Webster, we shared with you, defines miracles as an unusual or wonderful event that is believed to be caused by the power of God. now there's a resource I actually, it's the Bible encyclopedia. It lists 123 Miracles of the Bible. And and you can find a reference to that, christiananswers.net And uh, there's a list of 123 miracles if you want to do your own research. I, I think it's good to do that because you know what that will do for you if you begin to research the miracles of the Bible? It will begin to build your faith in God. It will begin to help you to believe God for a miracle that you need in your life. Because God is a God of, of patterns. He does things. He doesn't do things out of respect for different individuals because he has no respect of persons. He, he, he loves us all. He doesn't necessarily favor one over another, but yet we can come under the favor of God and, and receive what he can do in our lives. But yet, God does not exclude anyone from his plan or from his purpose. Uh, We find that a miracle is a divine operation that transcends what is normally perceived as natural law. It cannot be explained upon any natural basis. It it goes beyond natural explanation. In fact, uh, it really sometimes, when you think of the natural laws that govern things, it goes beyond that because it's supernatural. Supernatural means it goes beyond natural limitation, beyond natural ability. It breaks natural laws very often. And, and so for a scientific mind, it's very difficult. It's very challenging because, you know, we try to wrap our mind about that with our scientific mindset. And sometimes it just doesn't work. Because it breaks the natural laws. Jesus walking on water. Now, the law of gravity should have caused him to sink. But it didn't. There was a force. There was something that overcame the natural law of gravity that caused Jesus to walk on water. Well, that's a miracle. Now, a miracle is a supernatural intervention of God. It's an occurrence above nature and above man. In Job chapter 5, verse 9, it says, He does great things, too marvelous to understand. He performs countless miracles. Countless miracles. You can't even count them. You can't even number them. They're countless because he's a God of miracles. Do you need a miracle? Do you believe in miracles? Well, if you need a miracle... I want you to start believing in miracles. Because at one point or another, I believe every one of us need a miracle in our life. And so I want to stir your faith this morning and encourage you to believe God for miracles. Now, the sad thing is because sometimes people have believed and they've been disappointed because they didn't see a miracle come when they thought it should or when they felt they needed it. And, and we talked about a little bit of that last week. And, and I believe that's still an issue that we want to touch on this month. Because sometimes people's faith can be shattered because they don't see a miracle in the time that they most need it. In Psalms 66 verse 5, it says, Come and see what our God has done, what awesome miracles he performs for people. Guess what? He wants to perform these miracles for you uh, because he loves you. Now, there's a debate of, okay, why did Jesus establish his uh, healing ministry on this earth? And some would say, well, that was to prove who he was, that he was the son of God, that he was the creator, that he had authority over sickness and disease. But, you know, if you really study it out and you really come to know the heart of God, the reason Jesus healed the sick was because he loved people. It was because he was moved by compassion. The suffering, the affliction, and the heartache of people caused his heart to break. And he had to do something about it. And see, you may be moved by sympathy when you say, oh, I feel so sorry for you. But sympathy only acknowledges the pain another is going through. It's compassion that causes you to act and do something. Jesus was moved with compassion. And he healed the sick. We see numbers of scriptures. When compassion of Jesus was expressed in the page of the Bible, there was something he did to help hurting people. And see, that's the compassion I long for in my life. I want the compassion of Christ. Because if his compassion is moving in my heart, in my life, then I'm going to do something. Instead of just saying, put a pat on the back and say, oh, have a good day. You're going to make it through. Now I'm going to want to do something beyond just that kind of acknowledgement. Yeah. See, I'm building a case for miracles in this series because I believe we have a right to expect miracles in our life because we serve a God of miracles. The God of wonders who performed miracles in the past desires to demonstrate them in your life today. In Psalm 78, verse 8, it says, So each generation... should set its hope anew on God. So I'm speaking now for the older ones, okay, we've set a hope on God. Now for the younger generation, for the new generation, we need to exhort them to set the hope on God. Now notice what it goes on to say, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. So we can't forget what he's done. That's why we want to talk about these five big miracles because I want to, by the way of remembrance, help you to see what God's done in the past. In Psalm 77:4, 4, it says, You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. See, he doesn't just say people, but peoples. That means people groups everywhere. So the big five. Number one, this is one of my favorites the splitting of the Red Sea. Wow. You know, I, I can't wait till I get to heaven. I, somehow I just imagine that we're going to have this big massive theater that we can go and just watch all the events as they played out in biblical history and and I, I want to see this and experience the actual event of, of how it you know uh, played out in that time, but we see in the book of of Exodus chapter fourteen this story of the Red Sea being split, and God used a guy called Moses with a staff in his hand to literally lift up that staff. That was his part. And then God did his part. Can you imagine Moses? Okay. Because God, they they were in a fix. They had just left Egypt and and Pharaoh changed his mind. He said, we let him go. We made a mistake. So he got 600 chariots and his horses, his army, and they went after the children of Israel. And, and you know, and it's interesting because the pathway they took, and you can actually trace this out, there's some great documentation on the actual place they crossed. There's some places where they think they crossed that are wrong, that don't fit what the Scripture says. But Moses led them through a way so they wouldn't want to turn back because they You know, might have been tempted to turn back. But when they realized the Egyptians were after them, that kind of encouraged them to move on. But yet, they came to the Red Sea. They were kind of fixed in a place, and there was nowhere to go. There was a mountain range on this side, on this side, and here they are on this beach. And so, they go to God, and then in verse 22, we we see this. And um, actually, before we read verse 22... (laughs) Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He said, these Egyptians you see today, you're not going to see them anymore after today. Now, you could take that one of two ways. Yeah, we won't see them because they're going to take us out. They're going to, you know, kill us. But God had a plan to get them through the Red Sea. Verse 22 says, so the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea unto dry ground. And the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So there's a wall of water on their right and left. They passed through that Red Sea. And after they passed through, the the Egyptian army came through. And then Moses commanded the waters to come back. And they were drowned in the depth of the sea. And, And that story rocked the world at that time. Known mankind at that time heard about that story, and they didn't have email, they didn't have TV, they didn't have radio, but word of mouth, it spread everywhere, and God's fame was established as the God of Israel, the God of signs, the God of miracles, the God of wonders. But the reason I shared this story, this being one of the big five, this was the final act of delivering the children of Israel from Egyptian bondage. Bondage. So it really shows God's salvation to take us out of a place of bondage. But what it really does, this miracle demonstrates God's power over the laws of nature. Because in the natural, that should have never happened. And, and However, the, the wind blew all night and dried up the, the seabed so they could walk through. I mean, there were a lot of things that had to come into place into play for this to happen from a supernatural standpoint. So we see this as the first of the big five, okay? All right, we could spend more time on this, but we need to move on to number two. You ready for number two? Number two, okay. The sun standing still. Wow, what about this? See, there's a missing day in time. Did you know that? Even, even scientifically, they've proven that as... It's messed up some of the instrumentation when they've done some research on this. Uh, but this miracle, and we see in Joshua chapter 10, verse 13: so the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. It's interesting to know that he did this at the request of a man. They're in battle. And uh, Joshua says, I need more time, Lord. <laughs> Whatever you got to do, God, stop the sun, stop this day, extend it. And the sun stood still. It, It didn't move. It didn't go down for almost 24 hours. And this is pretty amazing because you think about this because this miracle, what this reveals is that It demonstrates God's power over the heavens and the earth. For the sun to stop. So that means the earth had to stop in its rotation around the sun. That's pretty amazing. And the earth had to stop in its rotation as well. Yeah. How do we explain that? We really can't. That's the second great miracle, and we could spend more time on that. But the third big miracle is the, open, the opening of the eyes of the blind. And we can connect this with the healing of the sick because it's all part of it. And realize that Jesus loved to open blind eyes, but sometimes people's eyes are blinded spiritually as well, and he wants to open your spiritual eyes. This miracle demonstrates God's power over physical sickness and disease. We see an account in John chapter 9, verse 5 through 7. Jesus is speaking, and he said, As long as I'm in this world, I'm the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. Now, that's an interesting way to minister, isn't it? And he anointed the eyes of the blind with the clay, he said to him, go wash in the pool of Shalom, which is translated scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. See, Jesus opened blind eyes. This is one example. We also see blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Blind Bartimaeus, he heard probably the testimony of what I just read here, this one in John. And he heard that Jesus was walking by, and he began to cry out, Jesus, Son of Man, have mercy on me. And he continued to cry out. People were trying to shut him up. But yet he continued to cry out until Jesus heard his cry. And Jesus responded. and said, so, You know, you, you think Jesus comes up to him and says, what do you want me to do for you? Da, don't you know Jesus? But blind Bartimaeus had to say, I want my sight. And Jesus turned to him and said, your faith has made you whole because the faith of blind Bartimaeus put a demand on, on Jesus' power to heal him. And so we see that. And I was in Africa in Uganda. I think it was the year 2000 or 2001. And we were doing an open-air crusade. And in that open-air crusade, uh, I began to pray for the sick. And they came forward. And, and they brought a blind man. And I'm looking. And I'm thinking, uh-oh. <laughs> Next? <laughs> I have to pray for the blind man? And the first question in my mind, well, what if he doesn't get healed? And, and, and I felt that's not your responsibility. And I actually felt the Spirit of God say, you pray for him. You lay your hands on him because it's not you that is going to heal him. It's me. But what, it was very difficult because I looked in his eyes and there was not even a pupil. They were just like uh, grown over. They were like grayish, white. They, there was not even a pupil. In his eye, there was no color in his eye. It, it, it almost—it was scary to look at the guy, but yet he came forward, and, and he had faith and expectation. And so I just simply laid my hands on him. and said, Father, in the name of Jesus, as you heal the blind when you walk this earth, I pray that you open up this man's eyes and heal him. Now, he walked away. He didn't get instantly healed. But about a day and a half later, somebody came to the hotel room and said, Pastor Matt, guess what? And I said, what? That man you prayed for received the sight. Wow. I, was a, I, I shouldn't have been in shock, but I was. But it wasn't me. It was Jesus that healed him. He just used me to pray and lay my hands and administer the healing power. And I thought, Lord, that's, I've always desired to to do what you say we're supposed to do in the Bible. So number four, the resurrection of the dead. Oh, that's, that's a big miracle. And what this miracle does, it demonstrates God's power over sin and death. Jesus raised Lazarus. In, in John eleven forty three. we see now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth. They said, "Unloose him. Take off these grave clothes." We also see in Acts two thirty-two, "This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses." There were witnesses that Jesus was raised from the dead because people alive at that time saw him crucified, and they saw him raised up to life. That's a powerful miracle. And Easter Sunday is coming up. We're going to hear more about that. The fifth miracle of the big five, and this has to do with believers, it's Peter's shadow healing people. What about this? In Acts 15, actually 5.15, Acts 5.15, it says, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. And it goes on to say they were healed just with his shadow falling on them. Now Jesus made a statement in John 14, 12. He said, the, the works, the signs that I do, greater works shall, shall you do because I go to the Father. And this could qualify for maybe the, one of the greater works because there's no recorded miracle of, in Jesus' ministry where his shadow healed someone. But yet we see that in the book of Acts with Peter. Now, some people might say, well, the greater works may not be greater in quality, but it could be greater in quantity because there's more of us now to pray for the sick because we're to carry out that ministry of Jesus because he commissioned us to, in Mark chapter 16, to lay hands on the sick so that they would recover. So these big five miracles, the first one, the splitting of the Red Sea, was to demonstrate God's power over the laws of nature. Very significant. Number two, the sun standing still demonstrates God's power over the heavens and the earth. Number three, remember what number three was? Healing of the blinded eyes, yeah. That demonstrates God's power over physical disease. Revealing his compassion for the sick and the hurting. And then number four, resurrection demonstrates God's power over sin and death. And then the fifth of the big five is Peter's shadow healing the sick. That demonstrates God's power working through us. I want you to think about that for a moment. and We're going to pray because... I save that fifth one specifically for last because God wants to work his power through you. And very often we think but God I'm just me. I don't understand why or how you could use me. I've messed up. I've blown it so many times. I'm not fit for service in your kingdom. But yet God chose us in spite of who we are and what we've done. And he wants to use us. And he wants to work his miraculous power through our lives. Now there's one thing for you and I to have need of a miracle and receive a miracle from God. But there's another dimension when we realize that God wants to use us to bring miracles to others. To be a vessel of his honor to be a minister of his love, minister of his compassion, minister to share the gospel and bring people to him because that's the greatest miracle, a life being transformed by the very power of God. Somebody coming to Christ, once a sinner, lost, dead in their sins, now coming into right relationship with God, being forgiven and cleansed. Let's pray. Father, Father, We join our faith together here today and we pray for an activation for faith, for miracles in our lives. Oh God, that you would stir our hearts with even what we've heard. Father, let truth, Father, pierce our hearts and let it bring conviction in our lives. Father, let truth propel us into the place that you want us to be as, as your children. Give us a greater understanding, a greater revelation of what you've done and help us to understand who you are. You are a God of miracles, signs and wonders and yet you so intimately care for us and are concerned about our lives to take a personal interest. In Jesus' name, Father, we give you praise. I pray, Father, that you would cause your faith to stir in the hearts of the people. Those that are believing you for a miracle, those that are in need of a miracle, that they would find, Father, an answer that only you can give them in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearefuge.net.